0: Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Secret Origins Podcast, what used to be a review show dedicated to the Secret Origins comics published by DC in the 1980s. I'm Ryan Daly, and believe me, I am every bit as surprised as you are to get a new episode of this show. I was out, retired, this series was done. But then something unexpected happened. I met Roy Thomas. If you never listened to the early episodes of the Secret Origins podcast, or you don't remember what it was like back in the glory days of 2015, I should explain why that's relevant. But first things first... Secret Origins was an anthology series published by DC Comics, with each issue telling the origin of at least one hero or villain from the DC universe. The series ran for 50 issues between January of 1986 and June of 1990, and also included three annuals and one special. All told, between the 54 comics with the Secret Origins banner, something like 120 stories were chronicled in this series. About a quarter of them were written by Roy Thomas. And when I say written, I mean they were very faithfully adapted and transcribed from material published almost 50 years earlier. Far more than that, though, as I often said, and as was so frequently pointed out to me when I didn't say, the Secret Origins comic would not have existed without Roy Thomas. It was his baby. He sold the idea to Dick Giordano based on his undying love for the Golden Age heroes and their classic adventures. It's understandable to assume that I'm a big fan of Roy Thomas, that I love his work. I mean, I lived with it, breathed it, for months. Most of the episodes of the Secret Origins podcast covered a story credited to the man. I must be a Roy Thomas fan, right? Short answer, yes. Yes, I am a fan of Roy Thomas's work. A big fan. Slightly longer answer? I am particularly a fan of his work at Marvel Comics. I love his work on the Avengers and the other superhero stuff he took over from Stan Lee. Love his work on Star Wars. Love his Conan. But his stuff at DC in the 1980s? Eh, a lot of it's good, but I don't love it. All-Star Squadron doesn't hit me the way it hits so many of my friends. I couldn't care less about Infinity Incorporated or Young All-Stars. And his work on Secret Origins? A lot of those stories were simply terrific. But were they terrific because of Roy's scripts? Given how much of the plots and dialogue lifted directly from the original source material, I'm not sure about that. This is why I accused him of treading very close to plagiarism on the podcast. And when Thomas displayed possessiveness of characters that he did not create and did not own, when he acted haughty and dismissive toward other creators' contributions to those characters... Yeah, I told Roy to pull his head out of his ass. I was frequently critical, occasionally harsh toward Roy Thomas on the Secret Origins podcast. So you can imagine, I never wanted to meet the man. I certainly never wanted to interview him about the series. Some listeners called him my nemesis or my frenemy, and David A. Scutieros honored me with a hilarious parody song for the last episode of the show. In the song, Roy Thomas tells me to commit a vulgar and anatomically impossible act. These were cute things, but I never wanted to really engage with them because there is no rivalry, no beef between me and Roy Thomas. He has no idea who the hell I am. If there was a conflict at all between us, it was entirely one-sided, and I had moved past it. So, so yeah, I, I had no intention of ever talking to Roy Thomas, even when I knew we would be in the same room. Recently, I attended Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. The convention was cool, but the event around it was amazing. Members of the Fire & Water podcast network attended, some of us meeting for the first time. We also welcomed friends and family from the larger podcasting and fan community, so much that there were about 30 people there that were connected to us in some way. Stay tuned for upcoming Heroes Con review episodes of Fire & Water as well as some other shows, I'm sure. I attended the con for the weekend. Well, most of the weekend. My flights got changed, and I had to leave very early Sunday morning before the con started that day. Roy Thomas was there on Saturday. He was signing for most of the day, and he appeared on two panels. This was exciting news for basically everyone but me. I didn't really care. In hindsight, I wish I had brought some books for him to sign, be they Secret Origins or Star Wars or whatever, but again... I didn't even really want to approach him. I wanted to give him a wide berth the entire day. The night before, I was drinking at the hotel bar with Diablo Frank, which, let me tell you right now, meeting Diablo Frank in person is a thousand times more interesting than meeting Roy Thomas. That is a story for a future podcast, I assure you. Anyway, Frank brought his portable, gorilla-style recording equipment, and he was trying to convince me that I should absolutely try to interview Roy Thomas, and get it on the record. Not ambush him, not attack him, just ask questions about his creative process and his time on the book. I humored Frank for the sake of the conversation while hoping neither of us would remember in the morning. Saturday morning, I walk over to the con, I drop my sketchbook off with some artists to get commissions, and then I have some time to kill. Around 11 o'clock, I think, after I got some Justice League International books for Shag to get signed by Ty Templeton, Shag and Chris Franklin decide that they're going to the Tomorrow's panel. The panel included Michael Urey, who edited the last issue of Secret Origins, you may recall, talking about Back Issue Magazine, and Roy Thomas talking about Alter Ego. Again, I stress my apathy toward meeting or speaking to Roy, but I remember telling Shag that if I stayed on the con floor, I was going to spend more money that I really should not. So I went with them to the Tomorrow's panel, and it was a little weird getting there. We had to go up one escalator, up a staircase, down an escalator, and then up another one, then down a hall to get to the room where the panel was being held. Once there, we sat with Derek Crabb from the Fan Holes podcast, and Rob Kelly, hilariously nursing a hangover, joined us about midway through the panel. And the panel itself was fine. I was more interested in what was coming up in future issues of Back Issue, but Roy got a couple of funny quips in there. It was it was a good show. After it was over, Roy started to leave and then stopped to talk to a fan by the door. The fire and water group lingered for a bit so we could finalize our plans for the official lunch meeting we were having. Rob and Chris wanted to talk to Michael Urey because they've both written articles for him in the past. I just wanted to hang out long enough for Roy Thomas to leave and then get, like, a 60-second head start so we wouldn't rush by each other. Try to understand my hesitancy to even approach the man. Like I said, I have no delusion that he has ever heard of the Secret Origins podcast. He doesn't know me, so there would be no awkwardness or hostility on his part. And I'm not scared to meet him. I don't get starstruck in front of people. I met Dennis Quaid and asked him if he thought Jaws 3 was too smart for its audience. The only comic book creator I have ever felt nervous around was Howard Chaikin, and that's just because I thought he was going to fight me. All of my reluctance to meet Roy Thomas stemmed from the certainty that if I talked to him... I was going to ask him questions about Secret Origins, and I didn't want to know the answers. I didn't want that to inform or alter my perceptions of the series that I had put to bed last year and haven't thought of since. And once Roy left the Tomorrow's panel, I thought that was it. I hung around for a minute, long enough for him to go downstairs. Rob, Shag, Chris, and I agreed on a time and place for our first in-person Fire & Water Network powwow, and then I left the room. I walked down the hall, turned the corner to go to the escalator, and there was Roy Thomas right in front of me, actually standing between me and the escalator, blocking my escape, essentially. He was talking to a fan, and just as I approached, they seemed to conclude their talk. The fan walked away, and then Roy just kind of looked around. He glanced at the escalator, and then different ways down the hall, and I just... I got the impression that he was a little bit... lost. I don't know if that was the motivating factor, that he seemed a little not really disoriented, but just unsure, maybe that vulnerability, for lack of a better word, maybe it was just the fact that he was physically impeding my way, but I said, How are you, Mr. Thomas? He said, I'm good, thanks. I asked if he was going back down to his table, and he said they brought him up to the panel in an elevator, and he couldn't find it. This place is kind of a maze, I said, remembering the circuitous route that it took to get to the room. I'll walk with you down to the floor, I said, if you don't mind talking a little shop along the way. He agreed, and before I knew it, we were standing on the escalator together. I remember thinking what a weird turn of events this was. I also remember thinking about my talk with Frank the night before, and how we both concluded that accusing Roy of plagiarism probably wasn't the best way to start the interview. So, I cushioned my first question in a way that would allow him to answer as explicitly or obliquely as he wanted. With a book like Secret Origins, I asked, when you're adapting a story from decades earlier like the first appearance of Superman or the Spectre, how did you decide how much of yourself to put in the story versus what you pulled from the original story? And then, somehow, I'm interviewing Roy Thomas about Secret Origins, something I never ever planned on doing. And of course, I'm not recording this, I don't have Frank's equipment with me, I don't even have any witnesses. My friends are all back upstairs. Of course, there are hundreds of people around us, but if they don't recognize Roy Thomas out of context, we just look like two guys talking about comics at a comic convention, hardly anything worth noticing. So, there is no record of my meeting with Roy Thomas, I didn't get him on mic, I didn't hurry back to the hotel room and write everything down like James Comey. The best I can offer in terms of corroboration is that I told the story to Russell Burbage, Rob Kelly, the Irredeemable Shag, and Chris Franklin, each within an hour of the thing happening, and my story has always been the same. So what did Roy say? I mean, what's the point of all of this? Well, he said exactly what I expected him to say. He didn't say, I ripped off the writers from the 1940s and copied their work. Of course not. He said he approached every story differently. He described each one as a new adventure. If he thought the original story was thin, he added a lot more to it. He even cited the origin of Green Lantern Alan Scott and how he added more than just the first appearance to the story. I prodded a little about using the dialogue and plot points from the source material, and he said when it made sense to be more faithful to the original, that's what he did. And he said, after all, that's how it happened. Those were the stories as published in the 30s and 40s, as if they were historical documents to be reported accurately in the future. That is what I expected to hear, and it was strangely comforting to hear just that. By this point, we had gone down one escalator and up another one, and then we started walking down the stairs to the main lobby. We took the stairs slowly because a woman and her young daughter were in front of us. Since we had more time, I asked another question, one I already knew the answer to from my meeting with Mark Wade at Boston Comic Con last year. I asked about Roy's writing process. Was it full script or what they used to call Marvel style? I knew the answer. This was just to keep him talking. And yes, it dawned on me that I did want to keep him talking. I couldn't believe it. He said he always gave the artist detailed outlines of the story, let them draw it, and then he added the dialogue later. And this answer somehow led us to the subject of the infamous unpublished stories. I think it was that he recalled some stories that came in fully illustrated, but he never got to script them. These were the secret origins of Firebrand, the Golden Age, Hawk Girl, Sandman, and Sandy, the Golden Boy, and Wildcat, among others. He confirmed that work on all of those was started, and in some cases, they just needed to be colored. So they're just sitting in a drawer somewhere, I asked, as we boarded the final escalator bound for the main convention floor? Yeah, he said, I assume so. Then he shrugged and said, by that time, you know, DC didn't have any interest in those characters, and they didn't have a lot of interest in me either, and the feeling was mutual then. Our escalator ride, and thus our journey together, was just about over. I could see the ghost of regret in his eyes, and I didn't want to end our meeting on a melancholy note, so I mentioned that at least he got to leave the book on a high note, and I called the secret origin of the Justice Society of America a terrific capstone for his run. And then we were on the floor. He looked around in the direction of the booth where he'd set up to sign more autographs, but before he walked away, I extended my hand to him. I had to make it official. I said, I'm Ryan. It was nice talking to you. He shook my hand and held it for a moment longer. A look of recognition dawned on his face, and he said, Suck a bag of dicks, Ryan. Okay, no, 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 no. That part did not happen, of course. He shook my hand, and he walked away. And that was it. That was my meeting with Roy Thomas, the unofficial, undocumented interview for the Secret Origins podcast. Does it change anything? Do I have any altered impressions of the man and his work now that I've had a one-on-one interaction with him? I guess he's a little more human to me now. I guess I don't hold his work on the series to the same level of scrutiny as I did back when I was recording the show. But you know what? Chances are I'd feel the same way anyway, just as a byproduct of time and distance from the series. But I'm glad we talked. And I'm glad that it happened more or less privately. It wasn't a big thing with witnesses and expectations. It was a very nice meeting, even though at the time, I, I have to tell you, it felt really weird in the moment. Not as weird, however, as the thing that happened just five minutes after my meeting with Roy Thomas when I saved Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praised be his name. I was going to leave that story for a different podcast, but I remembered that The Irredeemable Shag already recorded me telling that story, along with the tale of my Roy Thomas encounter. What you're going to hear next is my telling Chris Franklin the story you just heard, as well as the event that followed it. This audio was recorded on Shag's phone during the Fire & Water Network's face-to-face lunchtime meeting at Panera. Hungry? Stop by Panera Bread for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Try the delicious You Pick Two combo. Choose two items from a selection of soups, salads, and sandwiches to make a perfect, customized meal for 600 calories or less. Panera Bread. Enjoy what you eat. So anyway, if you hang on for another seven minutes or so, you'll hear me retell the story of meeting Roy Thomas. Rob and Chag had already heard that part. I told them in the hotel before we walked over to lunch. Stick around, though, because after I tell them that story, you'll hear about my meeting with JLGLPBHN. PBHN. Alright, so... Right after I left the tomorrow's panel after it had broken up and you guys left or whatever, mm-hmm. Roy Thomas had left like two minutes earlier. yeah um, and I just hung around talking to you guys and Rob, I think was gonna try and talk to Michael or you guys were both gone over. I was like okay, I'm out of here.. Right. I'm walking down the hall trying to find because the weird layout of the building we had to find the escalators to go up to then go down to then go around the stairs. When I get out by the escalators, I see Roy Thomas. And he's there, and he had finished talking to somebody. That person was walking mm. away, and then he just kind of looks around, and for a minute, he just looks lost. Like, he's, he's, like, not sure which direction he's going. I'm just like... Thank you very much. Mm. Big salad. Can I get anything else? Thank you very much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. Um... So... <laughs> Again, he's all alone. Like, there's nobody. Like, I, I committed. I was like, I have nothing to say to the guy, despite what Frank wants. I'm not gonna try and interview him. Like, <laughs> like nothing about this is gonna go well. So, not, but he's there. He's alone, and I was just like, "Hi, Mr. Thomas," and he's like, "Oh, hello." I was like, he's like, and I just kind of like waited for like a pregnant pause, and he's like. I'm trying to get back downstairs, but they brought me up in an elevator, and I don't know where that is anymore. I was like, well, I can walk you down there. I was like, do you mind if we just talk shop while we walk? He's like, sure. So I t- walked into the escalator. I was like, so about the Secret Origins <laughs> comic that you did. And I, I was like, I just I had a question, and I'm like, all right, how to frame this so that I don't use the word plagiarism? I was like... I was like, when you were, I was like, how did you approach, like, you know, the stories, and how did you decide how much of yourself to put into the stories versus how much you adapted directly from, or how much you brought directly from the source material that was 40 years earlier, like, when you were adapting these things? And he kind of, like, uh, just very, I mean, his, his answer was, matter of fact, it was good. He said, like, well, you know, every every story was different. Every story was a new adventure, and I made different decisions at different times, so like, if the I thought the original story was particularly thin, I would add more to it. Sometimes I would take the first couple of adventures of the stories and, I would break, and he's just kind of giving a, a, a answer that I expected him to get, the answer anybody would give. Um, and he's like, sometimes if some, he's like, sometimes it felt right to be very faithful to the original material because that's what more stories have been based on. Sometimes it was just really well done. And then I kind of talked a little bit more. I asked him about the writing process. I was like, when you were doing. Uh, and I was like, what would you write? And I, I knew this answer already from talking to Mark Wade last year at Boston. I was like, but when you were writing, I was like, would you write full script and then give that to the artist? Or would you do it in more of the, what they call the marble style? He's like, no, I would just give the artist a very detailed plot breakdown they would do, and then I would dialogue it later. And I was like, okay, that's kind of what I anticipated. Uh, and then he just kind of went off on a tangent He kept on talking about it. As we're going down the final escalator, Uh, Towards the like the kind of talking. he's like, yeah, he's like that was a fun series, but I think by the time it ran its course, DC was done with those characters for a while and really didn't have much use for me, which is fine because I didn't really want anything to do with them anymore. I was like, like, well, you left on a high note because that last issue of Justice uh, with the Justice Society was really good. He's like, yeah, I was happy with that one, but there's a lot more I could have done. He's like, and there were stories that we did that never got seen, and he mentioned like the firebrand story about the Sandman and Sandy, the Golden Boy one, and he kind of like talked about. It. He's like, you know, these are these were pencils, they were done. And I was like, but they're just sitting. I'm like, are they just sitting in a drawer somewhere? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, was like, I didn't. I if I had another second, I would have gone back and asked him. I was like, what drawer is that? <laughs> Can I see it? Um, the Greg Worst Wildcat so, story. And this whole time, I'm just thinking. I was like, I'm am talking to this guy that I just. I, I, Not always, but more often than not like The more memorable moments of the podcast Are when I was not kind about this man And I'm having this very nice Pleasant conversation, and we're all alone In the world, basically, because nobody realizes who I'm talking to Because he's not in front of a sign that says Roy Thomas, it's out of context And we get down and we just walk into the big old floor And he's like, alright, I gotta go do that I I just held out my hand, I was like, I'm Ryan, by the way And he shook my hand, and we walked a separate direction I was like, that was weird (laughs) <laughs> so I, I just t- typed in for the group. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I just met Roy Thomas. That was weird. Um, I went down to Luke Dobbs' table to see. He's still working on my, my sketch. I was like, okay, I've got a half an hour before our meeting. I'm not going to walk the t- I'm just going to go up to the lobby of the hotel. So I went back but, upstairs. But, but before you do that, the, the big picture is if you step back from him, Roy Thomas was lost. <laughs> yes, Roy Thomas was Ryan lost. And Ryan helped him find his way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. really that's what that's what I was really thinking. How great about. would it have been if he'd said I'm Ryan and Roy's like, you pull me back until i like, spit on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not the Ryan. <laughs> David His Goodyear has warned me about you. No, you suck about it. <laughs> 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 that would be worth it just getting her right time to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think he might he might okay. actually say that. I mean, cause, okay. yeah. So, keep in mind, keep in mind that Shag's version of the story, which is that Roy was lost and I saved him mm-hmm. because that theme continues to the next story. Okay. After I decide, okay, I'm just going back to the hotel, I'm leaving. I go up, back up the escalator and I'm walking out the main lobby of the convention center. Okay. And I'm just heading out and I happen to glance out, out to my right. And outside is the smoking area, where you just having a bunch of people in like cosplay costumes and everything. And there's a man standing up against a glass door with his hands up on the door. And I kind of like did a double take. I'm like, what, what the heck is that? And he just kind of like looks in earnestly at me, like, hi. I was like, are you stuck? Are you trying to get in? And he kind of just nods his head. Yeah. And i look at it, just a kindly old man. I was like, okay, whatever. And no, didn't notice anything. I just walk, and I try to push the door open. It's, I can tell it's not locked. It's just sort of jammed. So I have to force the crash bar, and it finally pops open. All right. And this old man with a white beard kind of like steps in with a vaguely broken Spanish accent, and just goes, Appreciate very much, and steps by me. And I, it's fucking Jose. <laughs> <laughs> and I look, I look, I look around, I'm like, Chris, Shag, somebody, where are you people? Like, why am I all alone in this? I was like, I just saved Jose, Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. I led him into the building. He was stuck outside. He looked at me, imploring me for help, and I saved He's him. He's was a huge trip. Exactly. What? Yeah. Or all the smokers, the yeah. lung cancer. Right. He's just, like he, was like, he stepped outside and couldn't get back in. I I was like, why am I, alone? what happened? I was like, and this is in the span of 10 minutes, I'm meeting both of these guys. like, and, it's gonna you know, push Jim Shooter out of a front of a <laughs> oncoming car. goes I we'll have to push him really far because he'll <laughs> still hit him. <laughs> he's like seven foot tall. And then notice in both of these stories, there's no witness. Exactly, yeah. no witness. Nobody. No witness. So uh, I meant to tell you guys that uh, I ended up in a closet with the Star Sapphire girl. I <laughs> mean, uh, you guys weren't there. You didn't see it. But oh my gosh, it was amazing. So. Secret Origins is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at ryandaily01, or you can send an email to ourdailypodcast at gmail.com. The Secret Origins Podcast is not affiliated with DC Comics, and the views expressed on the show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening.